Thanksgiving in this place. Come on, give God glory like you know you're already healed. Come on, give God glory like you know he did it over 2,000 years ago. And Father, we thank you for your healing power. Father, you promised us that you would confirm your word with signs and wonders following. Well, I'm led today, if you would, grab a neighbor by the hand. The scripture tells us that we can supplicate for the saints. I'm led today to pray specifically for you today corporately. And so I want you to join hands with a neighbor on either side. And let's just lift that up and then we'll pray uh, before God for the service today. And so, Father God, I'm led today to supplicate for the saints, Father. That is an earnest, heartfelt entreaty made on the behalf of other believers, Father. So I'm praying today that the eyes of their understanding will be flooded with light, that they'll come to know in a greater way what is the hope of their calling and what the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints. Father, I'm praying right now that since they've been translated out of darkness into the kingdom of your dear son and his light, they'll always have more revelation that they'll ever need than they'll ever need for any situation that they may be facing in life. I pray right now for every spiritual need, every physical need, every financial need, every social need, every job need, every relational need, whatever it is, God, spirit, soul, and body, I declare that it is supernaturally met now in Jesus' name. And Father, continue to bless us further in this service today as we begin to wrap up, Father, today and next Sunday, Biblical Laws of Prosperity. Father, I declare that your word is anointed. I'm anointed to deliver your word, Father. That anointing will remove burdens and destroy yokes. Not one person will walk out of here the same way that they came in. And Father, we'll be forever mindful to give you all the glory, honor, and praise for all the good that will come out of this service. Holy Spirit, have your way today. We believe you're already touching and already have touched bodies. Bodies are being healed even as I'm speaking right now. Some are happening instantaneously. Others will happen as they leave the building. Other will be a progression, Father. But the end result is that 100% of the people prayed for today will be supernaturally healed. Holy Spirit, if you desire or are supernaturally healed, Holy Spirit, if you desire to flow or function any further in any of the gifts or operations of the Spirit, Have your way today. Be glorified in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you believe everything we pray, come on, can we lift up a shout today? Come on, let's lift up a shout. Give God glory in this place. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Go ahead and slap somebody a high five today. Tell them God bless you. Let them know it's good to see you. And then you can be seated. Slap them a high five. Give them a shoulder bump. Whatever you're led to do there. Just don't give them a chest bump. <laughs> Praise God. We're going to go ahead and get where we need to go today. I'm telling you, I'm excited. I just love the Word of God. Before I get started today, I want to honor someone I've known since they were 15 years old. He ministered for us on this past Thursday night. If you missed Thursday night, you missed a wonderful blessing. Go on SoundCloud, listen to it. It will bless your life. Pastor David Crossley from Awakening Faith Church in the metropolitan Detroit area is in the building with us today. I was privileged to serve as his youth pastor. Now he's out pastoring today. If you would stand, let's give Pastor David Crossley a big round of applause. Glad to have him in the building today. I encourage you, really, powerful message about the rest of God on this past Thursday night. It will be a blessing to you. If you haven't already listened to it, go on SoundCloud. It is up and it'll be a great blessing to your life. Uh, Today we're uh, heading down the home stretch. We'll wrap it up on next Sunday. Uh, But we're talking about biblical laws of prosperity. And we had three opening or what we call foundation texts. One is in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, and it says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. So the more you hear the Word of God, the more it builds your faith, right? And so any area of your life that you need to grow in, that you don't see the production that you know God wants you to have, then begin to listen to more about what God has to say about that area. It'll increase your faith, give you the ability to act on what it is that you believe, and then God will release what you already have. It'll release itself to you. It's a built-in mechanism that's already in the earth. Then Jesus in John chapter 17, verse 17 praying for his disciples and what we call the disciples' prayer, praying to the Father. He said, Father, sanctify them through thy truth. 
Thy word is true. And so he was praying to God that the disciples would be different from the word and that the difference would be because of the word of God that they believed, that it would separate them and cause them to look different than the world looks. And I believe that's God's will for our lives. Everything about us should be better than what the world has to offer. They should envy us. We should not envy them, right? And then 3 John chapter 2 talked about uh, John there writing to his good friend Gaius. He says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou wouldest prosper and be in health. But he said something very pivotal there. He said, even as you're what? And we don't want to minimize that, right? Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Again, once we get our mind in line with the Word of God, then how I many know now we're headed on the, on the right road, right? We've got to renew our mind, get that stinking thinking out of there, that past thinking, that, that bondage thinking. We've got to get that out and get on God's plan. Then notice our will gets involved then, our mind, our will. Now it's a decision to say, God, now I've renewed my mind. Now I want to get my will in line with your will, right? And then we all know mind, will, emotion. I mean, people have made some bad decisions off of one bad emotional day, right? But the Word of God has this ability to even get down into our emotions and cause our emotions to be stable and stay in line with what God said about us and our situations, okay? Let's get right where we need to today. 14 keys. We won't get all 14 keys in today. We're only going to get eight, but I found a good way to wrap this up. And so today, number seven, we're going to talk about depositing into your heavenly bank account. Depositing into your heavenly bank account. Remember, everything that the world does, they try to mirror the kingdom of God. And then what Satan does is he comes in and tries to pervert it. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. So all our lives, we've been told, you know, you're only going to get out of something what you get into it. How many of y'all have been told that? Even before you were saved, parents always told us, you're only going to get out of school what you put into school. You're only going to get out of sports what you put into sports. We've heard that. Then once we get saved, we hear things you're going to reap what you sow in life, right? And we understand in the natural, we only can take out of our bank account what we put in. Right. So if we only put in one hundred dollars, we can stand there all day long and say, I believe I receive one thousand dollars. Right. We can put our passcode in there. We can punch one thousand dollars in there, but it will come back saying what? Insufficient funds because we did not put in what we actually wanted to get out. Can you all see that? We understand that in the natural. Let's not turn that off spiritually, okay? So now, go with me to Matthew chapter 6, and I just love the Word of God. I never really read all of this in the context of the entire chapter here, but, but this will really bless you today. Depositing into your heavenly bank account. Matthew chapter 6, let's begin reading at verse 19. Are you there? Matthew six nineteen. All right, notice what it says. It says, lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth. Lay up or lay not up means to store up uh, here. Don't store up for yourself treasure. Treasure means wealth or deposit. So don't store up for yourself wealth upon earth. Can everyone see that? Right? Don't hoard it for yourself. That is so important for you to understand. Don't store up for yourself. Can you all see that? So he says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Then he tells you why. Where moth and rust doth corrupt. And I'll tell you what I believe these things mean here shortly. And where thieves break through and steal. But he says, lay up or store up for yourself. You all see that? Treasure or wealth, where at? In heaven. Okay, watch this. Where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. And where thieves do not break through and steal. So important here. For where your wealth is or your deposit is, there will your what? Heart be also. So if you ever want to find out what someone values or where their heart is, how many of you follow their resources? And it'll tell the story about what it is that they value in life. Now, notice what he goes on to say here. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Before we read the rest of this, he told you what not to do. And just like a good father, a good father will never tell you what not to do without telling you what to do, right? So he said, don't lay up wealth for yourself on earth, right? But lay up wealth for yourself, where at? In heaven, okay? That is so important to understand. Now, I need you all to understand before we get further into this, 
Retirement strategies, all of those things are great, but I want you to know I have no trust in them. My brother worked for 25 years for the Detroit Police Department and does not know if he will have a, a pension. How many know that's horrible? To put into something for 25 years and you don't know if you're going to get anything back out of it. I'm explaining all of this to you all today. Because how many know you cannot trust that system? Right? And so although there are things we do in the natural, how many know my greatest wealth is in heaven? All right. So remember that thought process, because that's going to be so important against the times to come, as the scripture would talk about today. Let's keep reading here. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Notice right after this, he says, for the light of the body is the what? If therefore thine eye be what? Then the whole body is full of light. Isn't that interesting? So he's talking about here, single means focus, right? Single-minded. So he's talking about if I have one thought about something, then notice my whole body can be full of light. All right? Remember what James chapter 1 says, that a double-minded man is what? Unstable in how many of his ways? All of his ways. Well, what does double-minded mean? To have two minds, or as the literal Greek says, to be two-spirited. Right? He said, let not that man think he should receive anything from the Lord. But then the opposite of that must be true also. A single-minded man then must be stable in all of his ways. Let that man or woman think they should receive everything from the Lord. You all see that? Now let's keep going here. So if the eye is single, then the whole body shall be full of light. But if the eye is evil, interesting here, then the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness... How great is thy darkness or that darkness? Now, it's interesting. Verse 24, I never read 24 in connection like this with everything that we just read. Then he clearly tells you something very powerful. No man can serve two masters. So now we're understanding light and darkness in this context. Right? Light is God. How do you know darkness when you put other things before God, then it causes your heart to become dark. Isn't this interesting? Watch this now. For no one can serve two masters. Now watch how strong these words are. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. Well, what are you talking about? Two masters, one and the other. He makes it real clear. You cannot serve God and money. So notice that's the difference between light and darkness in this context. So if you think about the darkness that's in this world, you know what the scripture talks about? The love of money is the root of all evil. So at the root of most of the darkness that we see in this world is people having misplaced priorities where money is concerned. Which means they're willing to get it at any cost. Last weekend, I was watching the 5 o'clock news, and Atlanta, the midtown, that area down there, was opening up three new strip clubs. And there were over 3,500 women standing in line for tryouts. How I many you know, I don't believe they want to do that. I believe they love money. And notice how the love of money will cause your heart to become dark and evil. And then be willing to do anything to get it. Now, I want to be real clear here. He did not say you cannot have God and money. He said you just can't serve God and money. I mean, you can have God and have a whole lot of money. And I believe that's the will of God for everyone in this building, for us to have God and money, right? Because really, what he, if you understand what he's saying here, and you'll see it very clearly in the rest of the text, what he's saying, if you have me, you will always have everything that you need. Let me prove it to you. Let's keep reading here. I never read this in this. See, context is king here because he's really building on something, all right? So now, let me read these notes. You need to have a single eye to become single-minded concerning the Word of God. 
We all have to get to a place where we accept the Word of God as final authority. We don't debate that. We don't argue with it. We have to get to a place where, God, you said it. That settles it. That's it. I'm getting ready to live it, right? So we've got to be single-minded. So he's saying here, listen very carefully, if you will let heaven be your treasury and your supply, then regardless of what happens on earth, you will have a bank that is not subject to theft and ruin. Did you hear what he said? I'll tell you what I believe something here in a moment here. You you won't be subject to, to ruin here. What you have laid up then will be ready when you need it. So Jesus was not referring to when we get to heaven, right? He's referring to right down here on earth. Once we deposit it, now how many know it'll be there when we need it, regardless of what's going on here in the earth? I want to show you something here as I read this. Now, you don't have to take this as doctrine. It's just as I read it, this is how the Lord shared it with me. When he said that rust and corruption is a part of storing up for yourself here on the earth, I asked the Lord to explain to him. I looked the words up and really didn't get as much as I needed out of it. And the Lord said two things to me. He said, the rust and corruption in this world system is inflation and recession. So as long as you're in this world, the price of things are going to always go up. But because we're in this world, and how many know there, there's going to be a recession at some point where everything comes crashing down? So over the course of my 49 years on this earth, this is what I've seen. And depending on where your treasury is, your life can go just like the world goes. Can you all see that? This is what the Lord shared with me. As long as we're working, the cost of things are going to go up. So if you think about God's system and the world system, the world took God's system and perverted it. God's system is tithes and offerings, right? And so what the world did was they said, well, we're going to find a way to get you to spend your money, and then we want to charge you instead of 10%, we want to charge you 23.9%. And we bought that all day long. I'll share some numbers with you at the end of the service where our financial peace is concerned. Financial peace, 70 students had almost $3 million worth of debt, $400,000 saved up. That debt was non-mortgage debt. So that was just car loans and credit cards. See how it flipped it? See what Satan did? That's why it's called inflation and recession. And then at some point, what happens with this world system, it always crashes. Right? And then they tell us there's nothing we can do about it. It happened to everybody. Well, well, this has always been my question. It's like we have some things and some CDs, different things like that, and they promised us it would make X amount of dollars. But we notice it get to a certain point, stop. Right? Then they, it go down. Then you get a call. Well, things have gone on the market. We need to switch it over to something else. What I believe, after, now that we've made all of our money, let us switch it over to something else. This is what I've always wanted to understand with that. Well, where did the money go? I'm, come on, where did it go? Somebody made money off of that. So if you're talking about thousands of police officers been given into a fund for 25 years, where'd it go? You tell me they couldn't at least keep what they put in? They couldn't at least get back the same dollar that they put in, but it crashed. No accountability. Somebody got that money. So you hear what he said? Where thieves do break through. And I can go on and on. I just don't have time. I just want to give you enough so that you get it, okay? All right? How many of y'all glad you came to church today? Come on, I, I think we're already making the devil mad. Can we just give a good hallelujah shout in this place today? So now let's keep going. So as I read this, that's what the Lord began to share with me. So your bank and depository where you place your trust, regardless of what happens to this world system, you'll always have more than enough if you put it in the right place. Everybody clear? All right, now drop down to Matthew chapter 26, uh, verse 25. So right after 24, he said, 
you know, you can't serve two masters, right? You're either going to hate the one, love the other. Then look at what he said. Therefore, I say unto you that therefore is there because of everything he said prior to that. So as a result of everything that I just told you, look what he said. Do not worry. So I'm going to go real slow today. The people who are worrying have their treasure in the wrong places. Because what he's saying is if, if you're serving me and you love me more than money and, and your treasure is in heaven, there's nothing for you to worry about. I'm a father. I get that. How I many know I am committed to taking care of my children? God's a father. What he's saying is you won't have to worry. Therefore, I say unto you, don't worry about your life. Will I get a job? Will I get married? All of that is life, folks. He's saying don't worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink. He said don't even think about these things, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? What was he saying? I am life. And if you get me, I'll make sure all of these things are taken care of. I'll prove it to you even further. Drop down to verse 33. You can't disconnect all of these thoughts from the entire text. He said, but seek first. Just keep me first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And look at what he said. All these things. What things? Things that you need to excel in life. I mean, you need a spouse in life. It's a part of the package. You need a job. You need a career. You need a business. And God can help you get to all of that successfully. He can put clothes on your back. He can put food on your table. Come on, he can keep the, li- keep the lights on. And listen, when you're, when you're with him, it is 100% fail proof. Man, I wish I had just a little bit more faith in this building today. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let me show it to you another way. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Timothy writing to, uh, or Paul writing to young Timothy here, it's going to say the same thing a different way. 1 Timothy chapter 6, when you get there, say amen. Look at verse 17. He says, command those that are rich in this present age. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Command them what, God? Not to be haughty once again, nor trust in what? Uncertain riches. I'm telling you, people who put their trust in that, they get disappointed every single time. Charge them that are rich in this present age that they be not prideful, haughty, that they don't trust in uncertain riches, saying the same thing, but in the what? So you see what he's saying? You can't serve God and money. You see, he's saying the exact same thing. You can't trust both of them. Right? So he says, but in the living God, saying the same thing that Matthew said, who gives us richly all things what? What you miss there is we don't even have to work for these things. He didn't say I have to work to enjoy things. He said he gives us richly all things for our enjoyment. I don't know about you all, but vacations are enjoyment. I'm still a big kid at heart. Man, get me on a super soaker slide. Man, listen to me. And I'm in, and and I'm enjoying it. I'm telling you, God, your father wants you to live a life that you enjoy. I'm talking about where you wake up every day excited about what this day might hold. Come on, somebody. Not waking up about how am I going to pay the bills? How are we going to eat? What are we going to do next? You see the difference? People who live that way, their trust is in the wrong things. 
So he says, let them do good. What are they supposed to do with the riches? Let them do good that they may be rich in good works. Interesting. Ready to what? Give and willing to what? Share. Storing up for themselves, same language, a good foundation against the time to come. What time to come? Rust, corruption, and we're thieves still. See that? And that they may lay hold on eternal life. So Paul is telling Timothy here to lay up and us, to lay up and store for ourselves in our heavenly bank account by being ready to distribute and then willing to communicate or to partner or to share. Then when we need it, we will have it on deposit in heaven. And what I want you all to understand, that's just our part. I mean, all the gold belongs to God, all the silver belongs to God. If it's in the earth, then it belongs to God. And if it belongs to God and he's our father, then it belongs to us. Which means he can tell it to go wherever he tells it to go. And everything in this earth has to obey him. That's what makes him God. It wouldn't be fair if we only got back what we put in. I mean, what makes him God is he has to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think. So heaven will declare that certain portions are yours because of your deposits. But because God is so good, he always has to demonstrate that because you obeyed me, I'm going to go way beyond that and just show you how good I am. What I've learned about the character of God is that heaven then keeps a record of our activity here on earth. Right? So many times we're concerned about a lot of different things, but, but heaven, according to what we're reading, is paying attention to what we do with what he blesses us with. Right? We know that with the poor widow's might, right? She cast in. Jesus took note of that and told all the rich people, she's cast in more than you all. And this is going to be for a memorial. People are going to speak about this to the end of the age. So he, he saw that, didn't he? Two ways, it won't come, take me less than 15 minutes, two ways to deposit in heaven. Two ways, only two. One of them is tithes. See all the juice right there. See how the service, did you feel that shift, Pastor Day? Did you feel that shift? You feel that shift right there. Did anybody else feel that shift in here? Let's shift it back. Come on. One of them is tithes. See that, that was like. Uh, uh, that was an unsaved amen right there. I need a saved amen. One of them is tithes. One of them is offerings. Okay, let's prove that. Go with me to Malachi chapter 3. Leave me alone. I can pronounce it however I want to pronounce it. Malachi. Somebody said Malachi. What is he talking is that some kind of new spread or something to put on? <laughs> now, because we've been building your faith for, for seven weeks now, I mean, I don't need to, to prime this at all. I should just be able to read this and move on. Ma- Malachi chapter 3 verse 6 says, For I am the Lord God, and I do not, what's that word? What's that word? King James says, I change not, right? For I am the Lord thy God, I do not change. So, so God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, right? Remember that as we march through this. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers, you've gone away from my ordinances or my standards or my measures or my commandments, okay? You've gone away from those from the days of your father, and you've not kept them. He said, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. They asked a legitimate question, but but in what way shall we return? Then another question comes behind that. Will a man rob God? 
I want to ask this church, will a man rob God? We all know the answer to that is what? Yes. Will a man rob God? Legitimate question. They said, well, where have we robbed you? He made it real clear in tithes and offerings. Notice he said two things here. He didn't just say tithes, did he? He said tithes and what? What's our subject today? We're talking about depositing where? Into your heavenly bank account, okay? So he said, you robbed me in two places, tithes and what? Okay, let's keep reading here. Even this whole nation. He says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse or depository that there may be meat in my what? Now, the key here is my house or as one commentary says, where God dwells. And how many know you shouldn't go anywhere where you don't believe God is present? You definitely don't want to give anywhere that you don't believe God is with this group of people. Right? And so, again, there are a lot of different things we could say there. I just want to go by it because I think you all are already, you don't debate truth anymore. You just accept it. Right? Am I talking to the right group here today? All right, so watch this. Will a man rob God? You just say, where you've robbed me, tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, and that means to, to, to bitterly curse, right? And so we're just going to go right by that because, I mean, oh, God's not in the cursing business. And since we're all on God's side, let's not spend a whole lot of time on what none of us will ever experience anyway, right? And so the curse is in the earth. We already read earlier, really what makes a person's heart dark is their willingness to love anything more than God. Okay? And so you're cursed with a curse. It means to bitterly curse there. You're cursed with a curse, for you robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. And then what I love here, and try me, prove me. This is the only place in Scripture, folks, where God literally says to you, try me and see if I'm not who I said I am in this area. And at some point, we've got to say, okay, God, I want to prove you in this area. And I guarantee you, you'll never go back to never honoring him with your resources ever again. It's been 27 years for me, and I don't even think about it. Because he's been a faith. I haven't thought about what to eat, where, drink, where I live for 27 years. How many know that's your future? Let me try this side over here. Some of you all are living it right now, but for some others, that's your future. But notice you control this, not God. Everybody here still with me? All right, so watch this now. He said, prove me now herewith, say of the Lord of hosts, if I will not, uh uh-oh, open the windows of heaven. So let's just go real slow then. In order for the heavens to open means we must have put something in. What did we put in? Tithes and offerings. So see if I won't open you up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Notice he didn't say blessings. What he's going to do, folks, is put something on you. That wherever you go. I'm talking about wherever you plant your stakes. There will be something on you that causes you to succeed everywhere that you go. See, you don't even want the stuff. Too many people say, I don't want the stuff. I want, what's on, I want something on me that produces the stuff. You all see the difference. Said, I'm going to open you up the windows of heaven, and I'm going to put something on you. I'm going to pour you out a blessing. You won't have room enough to receive what that blessing is going to bring into your life. Boy, I wish 700 people just lifted up their hands right there and just said, Father, I receive that. Tithes and offerings, okay? But that's not it. He said here, I will rebuke the devourer. So now let's think about everything we've been talking about. Rust, moth. Inflation, recession, thieves. You won't have to fight them. I'll take care of them for you. Said, I rebuke whatever's trying to take 
what rightfully belongs to you. And look what he said here. I'll rebuke the devourer, not for my sake, but for your sake. Why? Because he doesn't need to rebuke the devourer. He's God. So what he's saying is, I'm untouchable, so I don't need to rebuke him. But because I've already defeated him, I'll make sure he stays defeated in your life. Somebody ought to shout right there. I'm talking about somebody ought to really give God a really good something right there. I want you to think about that. So that means even when somebody tries to steal something from you, God says, stop right there. You can touch everybody but that Come on, you can lay everybody you want to off in that place, but leave that one alone. Come on, somebody. Come on, I'm preaching better than you saying amen. I'm telling you, you can bother everyone, but when it comes to that one right there, you better not come near that one right there because you already know what I did to you. You already know that, and you don't want any more of that. Stay away from them now. And how many of y'all, Satan, then he, he runs in stark terror. What created that for me? Tithes and offerings. He said, I rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and I love this here. And he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground, No shall your vines fail. I mean, it's everything that you do for a living. Right? In an agricultural society, the language would be this way. And all the nations will call you what? All the people are going to call you blessed. And you're going to be a delightsome land. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 7. Let's look at one Old Testament reference, one New Testament reference. And so what you can see, Satan has been fighting this system for years. Right or wrong. But he didn't just fight it. He perverted it and flipped it upside down. So much so to the point where we'll go get a credit card. And can read with our own eyes. This is usury at the highest level. And we'll be willing to pay the minimum payment at 23.9%. We come to church. It's amazing. It's amazing. Right? Even though Linked Up Church is doing great, still only about 8% of the people tie. But we understand why financial peace tells us why. If you got millions of dollars in nine mortgage debt, right? We're not even talking about mortgages. What does the word mortgage mean? Comes from a French word, mortif. What does it mean? Morgue means death. What does gauge mean? Grip. Moment you sign on the dotted line, you've entered into a death grip. And they don't even try to hide it from us. What, what should we call this type of loan? Because we know it's going to kill the people. We got to come up with a name that speaks to what it's going to do. Let's call it a mortgage. And we go, oh, where do I sign? Come to church. I ain't giving nothing. I love you, Lord. Come on, stay with me now. Everybody say, I love Pastor Gregory because he loves me enough to tell me the truth. Come on, now give me a big hug. I need a hug right now. Come on, I need a hug. Hebrews chapter 7, let's look at it another way. For this Melchizedek, pay attention to that, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and did what? All right, pay attention to that. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. First being translated king of righteousness and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. 
without father, without mother, without genealogy, without father and mother, literally the Greek there is without recorded father or recorded mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, here it is, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest how long? Continually. Melchizedek and Abraham were before the law. So long before the law was ever instituted, Abraham on the inside, there had to be something built in him that he knew to do. How many know we know right and wrong? Right? In- inwardly, we know this, right? So there had to be something in Abraham that he innately knew what to do with resources as he was blessed with them. And then there was something in Melchizedek that he knew to bless. Do you all see that? Now, I want to show you something. Go to Hebrews chapter 5. Because I think this is important. Hebrews chapter 5. When you get there, say amen. Hebrews chapter 5. Look at verse 9 and 10. It says here, And having been perfected, Jesus... He became the author of what? Eternal salvation to all who obey him. Called by God as a high priest according to the what? Order of Melchizedek. So if Jesus is a high priest after a particular order, then shouldn't we understand what that order is? So go with me. Go with me to Genesis chapter 14. Keep a marker there. Go to Genesis chapter 14. And let's begin reading at verse mm, 19. Well, let's start at verse 17. Are you there? Start at verse 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he, the priest of the Most High God, And he blessed him. So Abram, after he finished the battle with Sodom, and he slaughtered all of those enemy armies, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. Why did he bring forth bread and wine? To refresh Abram. So notice then, this order leads from the front. So this order here is Melchizedek blessing Abram first, and now Abram responds to it. I'm going somewhere with this. So he blessed him. First, he fed him with bread and wine because he was the priest of the Most High. He refreshed him. Then he blessed him, and he said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which have delivered thine enemies into your hand. And then Abraham gave him tithes of all. So then this order is this way, folks. It's the grace of God. We love him because he first loved us. Scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So listen to me. What we should be responding to is how good God has been to us even when we didn't deserve it. See, tithing is about gratitude and thanksgiving And God, if it wasn't but for your grace, where would I be? And we respond out of how good the least I could do, God, is is honor you with what you blessed me with. And I want you to think about how God has been so good to you even when you weren't thinking. Come on, so I'm preaching better than anybody in this building is saying. I'm talking about when you were out there doing your own thing, doing what you want to do, when you want to do it, how you want to do it, God was still keeping you. God was still protecting you. God was still providing for you. Come on, church. Don't leave me out when you wouldn't give him a dime, when you weren't thinking about him. It still didn't stop him from blessing you. And now that you've got a hold to a little truth, come on, somebody. You've got a little suit on and a little dress. God has blessed you with a marriage. Come on, you should be so grateful and thankful. And you respond out of how God has blessed you. And it's literally the least I can do if he's given me a dollar is to give him a dime to say thank you. Come on, church. 
So what you see, this order is Abram responding to Melchizedek. Go back to Hebrews chapter 7. That's called the grace of God. Come on, was God good to you when you didn't deserve for, for, for anybody to be good to you? Come on, was he good to you? Do you appreciate him being good to you? Come on, you know how many times you've gotten in the car and driven somewhere and driven past an accident that you were not involved in? Come on, you know how many times you've gotten on a plane and every time you get on the plane lands, it's not landing by itself. There are angels that are taking that plane up and setting that plane because you're on it. Come on, somebody. You know how many times you didn't have a job, didn't know where the money would come from, but the bills got paid, didn't it? Come on, somebody. Come on, you know how many times you looked at, you didn't know how this situation would work out, but it worked out anyway, didn't it? Come on, somebody. Come on, you thought everything was going left and looked up. God caused a quick, sharp turn. Everything went back right. Come on, he got you up on top, blessed you when you didn't deserve to be blessed. It's an honor to be able to give God 10% of what he's blessed me with. That's the least I can do all day, every day, is say, God, everything that I have came from you in the first place. you back in Hebrews chapter 7. So we see it before the law. Go ahead. Go ahead and praise him. Go ahead and praise him, sister. Go ahead. Go ahead and praise him. I'm not upset. with. Go ahead. Give him the glory, God. Somebody else. That, that should get on somebody else out there. You should be thinking about, even though you haven't been giving God nothing, you haven't even been thinking about God, but God's been. Somebody ought to just get up on their feet and say, God, thank you for your abundant grace and your rich mercy that you've shown me in my life. See, she realizes that. She's appreciating that. That just hit her like, God, God, you've been so good. Even when I didn't deserve it, you've been, you've been good to me, God. Hallelujah. 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 So the order is different. That's what makes the grace message so powerful. Let's keep reading. Now, consider how great this man was, back to Hebrews chapter 7. Even to whom the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And indeed, those are who are of the sons of Levi, who received the priesthood, have a commandment to receive tithes of the people according to the what? Law. So now we see each dispensation. We see it before, we see it during. Let's keep reading here. So they have a commandment to take tithes uh, uh, here according to the law. You all still with me there? All right, now, I love this. That is from the brethren, though they have come out from the loins of Abraham. So notice, while Abraham was tithing, the Levites were in his loins. So notice, his obedience blessed the next generation. If you ever want to leave legacy for your children, get involved in God's system. And the blessing will go right through you to your children. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. That's Melchizedek and Abraham. Melchizedek received, notice this, and he blessed. Doesn't that sound like Malachi? Heaven receives, heaven releases. Heaven receives, heaven releases. I put nothing in because God is so merciful. You're still his children. He's still going to take care of you. But how many of you want the highest level? Now beyond all contradiction, verse 7, the less Abraham is blessed by the better Melchizedek. Say, okay, pastor, what does that have to do with us right now? 
our dispensation. Now he says, here men receive tithes. Don't miss this because that's where people get messed up. I'm not giving my money to that church for the pastor. To... Don't miss this. You give it here, but notice where it's received. I'm about to walk out of this building. Listen to me. I'm getting ready to backflip off of this. If you miss this, you just sleep. That's all I can tell you right now. I'm, uh, don't miss this right here. If you go to napping on this one, I'm getting ready to start to slapping. Don't go to napping. I'm going to start slapping in here. If you miss this, because this is where Satan tricks people, because they're all natural, right? Just let me finish, okay? So they're all natural, okay? So all they can see is people. Read what he said. Hear men, but there he receives them. So I want you all to understand, in a whole, we don't sow in churches, we sow into the kingdom. My wife will tell you, we've give, given hundreds of thousands of dollars to kingdom churches that we're no longer a part of. So watch this, Pastor Dave. So even though we sold into one kingdom, we received the harvest over in this kingdom. So listen, a man has nothing to do with my return. Are you all still with me out there? Has nothing to do with that because I didn't give it to a man. I put it in the kingdom. And notice he received it. So now we're talking about this dispensation. So here, men receive tithes. Watch this now. See, if you're a true born-again believer, this will not fly over your head. Notice where it's witness that he still lives. What you're able to say is, God, I know that Jesus is still alive. Come on, he's still on the throne. He's my priest forever. Come on, somebody. Come on, and he's still blessing me today. And every time you do that, you are witnessing to God, to heaven, and to yourself, and everyone else in your life that sees the benefit of it, that Jesus is still alive. I just feel like making the devil mad one more time. Come on, can we just give God a good praise in this place today? So there are two ways. Next week, we're going to talk about how to withdraw, okay? Two ways to deposit are what? Tithes and what? Let's talk about offerings. Go to Proverbs chapter 19. Let's look at verse 17. Proverbs chapter 19 says, he that has pity on the poor does what? Lends to the, to the Lord. Now, even though you gave to the poor, notice what he said, and he will pay back what was given. So then clearly what I gave in, to the poor was received in heaven. So y'all missing this. <laughs> Man, uh, nope, nope, we're going to do that in a moment. All right, stay with me, stay with me. Did you all hear what he just said here? So clearly what I did down here was received up there. So you don't look for people to give you nothing back, although God will use people. Come on, stop chasing somebody down because they owe you $250. Come on, you about to kill them, ain't spoke to them in 10 years, over two, really over $250? Sow it as a seed. And God said, I'll repay you. So even though you might not get it back from them, I know you'll get it back many times over from God. Here we are not speaking to folks for years over $15. You borrowed $15 from me 20 years ago and you know, really? That's what we're talking about? See, I don't loan money. I only give money. Now, if you say you want to give it back, that's between you and God. 
You didn't see it. See, I, I, I'm about to run out of the building. Did you all catch that? I don't loan money. I give money. But if you say you want to give it back, that's between you and God. I already know it's coming back. Go to Matthew chapter 6. Kindred spirits, you know that, don't you? Just kindred spirits. Matthew chapter 6. How many of y'all glad you came to church today? It's good stuff, isn't it? Let me show it to you another way. You see how all of this is married together? Because God is what? The same. Yesterday, today, he hadn't changed. So here, what do people come and say today? Tithing one out with the, show me that. I just read it to you. And see, we haven't talked about grace giving yet. It's just a measure. I stopped tithing four years ago. It's just the least I'm going to do. There's a percentage higher than that, and every year I go up a percentage. You'll grow beyond this where that just doesn't challenge you no more. You can do that in your sleep. All right, Matthew chapter 6, and we'll close right here. Two ways to deposit into heaven. What are those two ways? Matthew chapter 6, take heed, verse 1, that you do not your alms or your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So once again, clearly then what we do for people is received in heaven. Right? Therefore, when you do your alms or your charitable deeds, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets as they have the glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you that that will be their reward. But when you do your alms or your charitable deeds, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That your charitable deed or alms may be in secret or disclosed And your father, which sees in secret, himself will reward you openly. Look up the word openly means it will be apparent to everyone that you are a giver. I want to thank you all for the overwhelming amount of enthusiasm that you've displayed in this service today under this message. I'm telling you, I've been in ministry now for 22 years, and this is the most excited I have ever seen one group of people in my life over some of the best information they could have ever heard in their life. I have never seen this kind of response ever to people who just heard a life-giving, life-changing, come on, somebody, life-altering supernatural message that'll set you up for the rest of your life. Come on, somebody just open up your mouth and just tell God, thank you. Come on, tell God, thank you. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, let's everybody stand to your feet. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Let's lift our hands to the Father right now. How many of y'all believe there are just things you need to talk to God about right now? About what you love and what you don't love. Demonstrated by your actions. Why don't you take a few moments? Let the Spirit of God minister to your heart and just talk to Him for a moment. Go ahead. Just talk to God right out of your heart. Some of you, some adjustments need to be made. But just go ahead. Just have a moment with you and God. And Father, while they're having that moment, I'm praying that you give them clarity of vision, clarity of understanding, single-minded, single-focus. No more debating with your word, but simply believing your word, putting more faith in you than they do people, Father. Getting out of trying to get their lives together on their own and letting you get their lives together for them. And so, Father, as they're praying and adjustments are being made, 
Your grace is sufficient for every person in this room. And so, Father, I thank you that nothing will be held against them. And they can begin from this moment forward, Father. And you'll bless them as though they've been doing it their entire lives. And so while you're in that attitude of prayer today, if you're in this building, stay in that attitude of prayer. You don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I want to pray for you. I want to invite you to be a part of the greatest family ever known to man. It's called the family of God. Well, Pastor, how do I be a part of that? By receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. How do I do that, Pastor? By confessing with my mouth and believing in my heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. If you're willing to do that today, you can be born again and be a part of the family of God. And the blessings will begin to work instantly. If you think God's been good to you outside, imagine what it's going to be like inside. Secondarily, you might say, Pastor, I'm already born again.